Check, check. If I get you to grab your... Well, most of you have already. Okay. Um, I want to honor Pastor Les and Carolyn just before he comes up to preach. We get to hear one final word from him before they go, which is wonderful. But uh, I just want to thank them for their uh, years of service here. As I said when we opened the service, they joined uh, Grace Community Church in the fall of 2000 as the lead pastor there. And in 2004, came on staff at Living Hope when the two churches amalgamated. Not split, but two churches amalgamated, which is a miracle as well. And so most pastors are on staff for a total at a church of, for average, sorry, on average for three years at each church. Three years. And so Pastor Les came on staff 2000, served till 2004, joined Living Hope, and served on staff until sometime in 2010, I believe, and then um, left for other ministry opportunities. And what year did you come back, Les? They've kind of been back and forth and back and forth for a number of years, just kind of while they're here, they've been um, willing ministers of the gospel. And so it's just wonderful to always have somebody uh, available and uh, when when I haven't been able to preach, when I come up sick or something has come up, um, he's, he's able to step in with a good word for the church, and he's always uh, been encouraging and uh, a wonderful addition to the church family. Uh, Carolyn has uh, been not only his faithful companion, but she's been involved in ministry as well. She's taken a big interest in, in uh, Second Chance and in serving at Salvation Army. She's been involved in, actually, she was one of the pioneers for the women's conference. And so she ran that for a number of years. And it, they have just been a wonderful couple to have around and to, to be um, ministered by. And uh, I've just really appreciated their ministry and their heart for people, their heart for the Lord. And so, uh, Les and Carolyn, could you guys come on up, both of you, please? They might uh, get a little upset at me later for calling them both up here and asking you to honor them, but uh, because that's the, they're just humble people. So this isn't made up yet, but I wanted to give you kind of a representation of what is coming your way. So we have a gift that's being made for you, custom for you guys. Yeah. So it's a plaque that says, a truly great pastor is hard to find, difficult to part with, and impossible to forget. <laughs> so that's, that's on its, it'll be made, it'll be finished before Friday when you guys leave. So I want to hand that to you as a representation of what you're going to be getting. But I, I'd also like to pray for you guys before, before you preach. So a couple things that were on my heart from this morning. For you guys is 3 John 2. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, 
even as your soul is getting along well. I really feel that that is a good encouragement to you guys that uh, not just that your soul would get along well, but that you would enjoy good health and that it may go well with you guys as you go. And also, Philippians 4, 19. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for this amazing couple. Father, we thank you for their heart, for their ministry, for their time here, for their willingness to serve, and just for their, their attitude just to do what is needed. Father, I pray a blessing over them as they go. Lord, the sun is not setting on their time. The sun is just setting on their time here. And so, Father, we thank you, and we pray a blessing over them as they go. We pray, Lord God, that you would use them in mighty ways and that they would not grow tired or weary as, they're, um, as they move along, but, Lord God, that they would be able to finish the race strong, and, Lord God, that they would work while it's a day. Lord God, you would give them the ability to be healthy and strong to work while it's a day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So why don't you welcome Les to, to preach his last sermon here. He has to go get his microphone. So that means that uh, i got to tell you a couple jokes, right? <laughs> you know what? I love jokes and I love telling jokes, but I cannot remember jokes. That's why I always have my phone with me to tell jokes. So I know. You're so disappointed. I am too. I'm so sorry. I feel like I've let you down. I'm sorry. Don't worry because Les won't let you down. Here he comes with a good word. Man, okay, is this on? Am I okay? Oh, it's super. Okay. Well, thank you for those kind and gracious words, Pastor Mike. And uh, we are truly grateful. Maybe I need a Phoenix box, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see them there. I'll get them. Yeah, I just pull them over here. Yeah. We're truly grateful for the years that we were able to spend here. And I trust that uh, there's been something, a residue of Christ's ministry in us that will remain in this congregation and in your hearts and lives. And uh, so today will be our last time in this building, as far as I know, unless I come and visit the staff during the week, um, but uh, we've really enjoyed our time, even though we've always had a hunkering to go west, but, you know, we've enjoyed our time here and getting to know you people. Uh, that, of course, is always a marvelous thing. And I want to give a big shout out, I guess that's the right terminology or a word of thanks this morning to, uh, first of all, to Jesus, because without him, none of us would be here. None of this would have happened. None of this would have happened today even, you know, without Jesus. And so I give him the biggest shout-out possible and, uh, you know, for what he has done in our hearts and in our lives. His faithfulness in our hearts and lives has been tremendous. You know, there's been times when we wondered, you know, like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And uh, we look back and we find that God has always been faithful. He's always been good. 
and it has definitely been worth it all. Amen. And so I want to give him a big shout out. Secondly, I want to give a shout out to the congregation. Without you, we would have no church. We would have no building. We would have no pastors. Uh, we would have no, uh, nothing else that would be here. And so we, I just want to give uh, thanks to the congregation. And not just those that are here this morning, but those that will be here for the second service and those that are perhaps on holidays or whatever. I just want to give you a big thanks. A big thanks for being part of our lives and uh, uh, feeding into us as well and words of encouragement and which we really appreciate it and we just well I, we, we, I can't thank you enough for that also want to give thanks to all those who've been involved in the church here children's pastors and workers youth workers pastor mike and pastor jordan and their wives uh, just tremendous all the worship leaders for tara jessica rebecca Isaiah and Taya, and others who have been part of the worship team. I just want to just really want to encourage this whole area of worship. I think that is one of the strongest things that we can do as believers is learn how to worship and worship consistently and daily for he is worthy of it. Hallelujah. And so I just really appreciate the, the worship leaders. Uh, appreciate Pastor Wade, not, well, he's an elder Wade, he's not here right now, but I just appreciate working with him too on the elders, and uh, uh, his insight and his input has been tremendous as well. The deacon board, I want to thank them for all that they do and uh, what they have done, and they will continue to do as well. Home group leaders, uh, again, we can't name them all, but just thank you for what you are doing. Uh, for those who have been prayer leaders, and our prayer leaders in this church, and I think particularly of Lorna, who's been, there you are, Lorna, who's been the uh, prayer coordinator for the altar ministry for many, many years. I don't even know how many years, but you've been coordinator for that. For Lorraine, and she's not here, is she Lorraine here this morning? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so uh, she, she does the um, uh, prayer chain, and uh, I, I've, I've told her this personally, but I've appreciated the little prayer that she puts underneath or follows every prayer request. I think it's so anointed and so good, and I just really want to encourage her to continue, you know, to do that as well. And I just encourage everybody to pray. Hallelujah. Women's ministries, uh, and that's many, many fold in the area of women's ministry. I just want to thank you for that. Also, the sound, the projector, and the uh, television uh, as well, teams, and we just want to thank you for being involved in that area. And so from our hearts, from Carolyn's heart, my heart, we just want to give you a big thanks, a big thanks for all that you've done. Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 4, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about what if Jesus had not come 2,000 years ago? What if he had not come 2,000 years ago and decided to come in 1990? So if he came in 1990, this would be his first year of ministry, 2021, his first year of ministry. Would things be different? Would he minister differently? Would the situation in the world be different uh, now than it was back then? And uh, so I asked myself that question, you know, like, would it be different? 
And uh, we want to read from Luke chapter 10 because Jesus quoted this from Isaiah chapter 61. And he said, this is who I am. This is why I come. This is what I want to do in, in the world. And so we just want to read that portion. Then I want to break it down a little bit as we go through this. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. If Jesus came back in 1990, I don't think things would have changed much in his ministry. Why do I say that? I say that because the uh, sin that's in the world today was the same kind of sin that was in the world back in 2,000 years ago. We've, we're born with that sinful nature, and the sin problem has always been there ever since Adam and Eve sinned. That sin problem has been there, and the first key that thing Jesus wanted to do when he came back or when he came to this earth was that he was going to deal with a sin problem. Hallelujah. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad he dealt with that sin problem, not just on a surface thing, but he dealt with that sin problem forever. Hallelujah. Once dying on the cross is sufficient to forgive my sins forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. My sins can be wiped away as far as the east is from the west. They can be buried to the deepest uh, reaches of the, uh, of the seas. And, and our, our sin is no longer, uh, you know, the thing that captures captures us, but rather it is something that irritates us, but you know, we don't have to be captured by the sin because Jesus dealt with it, and I'm so thankful that he did. Hallelujah. So he would have still come in 1990 with a whole purpose of dying so that we could be free from our sins. He would have still been doing that. That would have been his number one reason for coming down to this earth was to die for the sins of the people so they could be free. Hallelujah. I'm glad. I'm glad that he came 2,000 years ago, you know, and what he did for us is just uh, amazing, just absolutely amazing. If he would have come in 1990 instead of 2,000 years ago, there would have been some cosmetic changes, of course, that would have happened. Uh, for instance, he would not be walking through the land of Palestine or Israel, you know, or riding on a donkey. He'd probably be in a Dodge pickup, you know, because of the hills, you know, and and Fords and Chevys, I don't know if they could make that, but, you know, Dodge would make that. And so there would be, you know, just a little cosmetic change, you know, that might be there. When he went across the Sea of Galilee, he wouldn't have to, you know, stay with a, a ship that was depending on the sails or depending on oars, you know, to get from one side to the other. There probably would have been a 120-horsepower uh, outboard motor attached to those boats, and they could have just skimmed across, you know, like nothing. You know, but those are just cosmetic changes on that. But he would have still been the same. He would still stop in Samaria, you know, and preach to those that were outcasts. He would still be there to lift up the woman that was caught in adultery and, you know, and say, hey, I forgive you of all your sins. He would still go to Lazarus' house and raise him from the dead. He would still do all the things that he did as we read in the Gospels. He's still the same God, the same Lord, and that we have the same needs today. The world has the same needs. We're still sinful. We're still weak. We're still in need of a Savior and a Deliverer and somebody that can comfort us and help us through our bad times. We still need that today. Hallelujah. You can say amen or hallelujah. Remember, I'm not afraid of that when you say that. 
Okay. So we, the, the same need is there, and the same Savior is there, and he's got the same remedy for us as well. Hallelujah. So we want to just give him that thanks, and we give him that praise as well. Uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, he doesn't change. Even though the things in this world are changing, and I'll tell you that, and I think we all understand this, there is a revival going on today, a revival of sin and corruption and evil, and the devil, you know, he's, he's, he's causing this to happen in the world. But I'll tell you, God is going to raise up his church. So there's going to be a revival, you know, of righteousness that's going to come. There's going to be a revival of joy, you know, that's going to come back to the church. And there's going to be a revival of, you know, being strong in spirit and in the power of his might. I believe there's going to be a revival of that as well. And these two clashes or these two uh, things are going to be clashing together, you know, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, and we all know who's going to win, the kingdom of light, because Jesus has already won, and he's going to win it again through us and through his church, hallelujah, and so he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's look at uh, the heart of Christ as we go through uh, verses 18 and 19. And also I'll be flicking back to Isaiah 61 just for some word changes that are different from Isaiah 61 to uh, Luke chapter 4. And just talk about that for a moment as well. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. I had to stop there for a moment and think that through. Why the because? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, this course, Jesus talking about himself, uh, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. And uh, uh, when we are anointed to do something, we can, we can expect that the Spirit of the Lord is going to be upon us. I know we want the Spirit of the Lord to come upon us to start with, you know, before we do any kind of a ministry. But Jesus, you know, he was anointed to do ministry. And when he took a step in doing that, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he was able to do it in the power, you know, of the Holy Spirit in his life. And the same thing with us. You know, we uh, oftentimes we sit back and we don't get involved. We don't do what we feel the Holy Spirit wants us to do because we want the Spirit of the Lord to come upon us first and then we'll do it. But Jesus was the other way around. He said, I know I'm anointed. He says, I know what I have to do. I know what, how I have to minister. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has anointed me. I just want to encourage you here this morning, you know, that you are anointed, you know, to do different things in the kingdom of God. And when you take a step of obedience in doing that, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you're going to have the power and the strength and the anointing to be able to do that. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus was saying here, that because there, he says, you know, I know that the Spirit of the Lord is going to be upon me, he says, if I take that step of obedience, if I do what he wants, what my Father wants me to do, he says, I know that the Spirit of the Lord is going to be upon me. Hallelujah. And we can trust in the same thing. Trust in the same thing. Hallelujah. Uh, he's not the only one, but we also, you know, can trust in the same thing, that the Spirit of the Lord will be upon me. I remember my first time I, that I ever preached, and we were in Bible school, and I'll tell you, I was shaking so badly, and uh, 
Uh, I, I never spoke in front of people before, you know, in, in, as a sermon or it was only a sermonette. It was supposed to be three minutes or something, I think it was. You'd think everybody should be able to do that. Uh, but, you know, we were, I think a lot of us were just kind of petrified or scared because of that, you know. But as soon as I stood up and I was facing the people, yeah, the fear was there, but I also, you know, the anointing was there. The anointing was there. The anointing was there. Hallelujah. And I rambled off the little sermonette so fast that all the people, that my fellow students that were listening and watching, you know, they were all amazed because, hey, this is Les Duke, the shy little introvert who hardly speaks anything, and listen to him now. Watch what the Holy Spirit is doing in his life. And folks, I can tell you this, and I've experienced this for over 50 years, that if we are obedient in doing what God wants us to do, the spirit of anointing will be a Upon you, will be upon you. Trust in it. Trust in it. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Gospel to the poor. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus went around looking for those that were poor in spirit, those that knew that they were sinners, those that knew that they had no hope in themselves, those that knew that they couldn't do anything in their own strength and ability. These were the ones that were poor in spirit, and Jesus was looking for them because they were candidates for his anointing. They were candidates for his salvation. And so he went looking for these poor in spirit. And when he found them, he preached to them. He proclaimed to them. And he was saying, listen, he says, I've got something for you. It's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is yours because you are poor in spirit, because you realize that you're not going to make it in your, on your own. You know that you're not going to get to heaven, you know, by yourself. You're going to need something else. And when you come to me and you're poor in spirit, he says, listen, uh, what I preach, he says, is the kingdom of heaven will come into your life when you have that kind of a poorness in your spirit. You know, brothers and sisters, that kind of thing needs to continue in our life, even though we've been Christians for 30, 50, or 10 years, or three months, or whatever it is. You know, we still need that poorness in our spirit. The spirit, you know, that poorness that says, I still need God today. I still need God today. I still need Jesus today. I still need that anointing today. I don't have the strength in myself. I don't have any ability. I need him in my life. And if we carry that kind of a spirit with us every day, every moment, then Jesus will show up and he's going to minister to us. Hallelujah. He's going to minister and says, listen, yours is the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to you. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus, when he was talking about this, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Preach the gospel to the poor. And I think we all understand that, you know, we can preach our hearts out <laughs> or we can share, you know, one with another. But if the person that is hearing, you know, what we're saying to them and don't respond, there's not going to be that change. The kingdom of heaven will not be there just automatically because something is preached or said or proclaimed, as Isaiah 61 says. You know, it's not automatic that we still have to have a, uh, the people still have to re respond to the word that is being preached. They have to respond to the proclamation. Listen, you can be free. You can have salvation. You can have the kingdom of heaven if you want it, but you've got to respond. You need to respond. 
And so Jesus is encouraging them to respond to what he is preaching and to what he is saying. Jesus will never force anybody to be saved. Never. He will not force anybody to be saved. He will not force anybody to become a Christian. He will not force anybody to change in their life. We have to respond to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God that is stirring within us, and we have to say, that's what I want. And then we have to ask him for his help, and he will just come right in, and he will help us, you know, as we respond to him in that way. Then it says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Heal the brokenhearted. These last two years, I think there has been, you know, through the trauma that has been in not just Canada, but in the world, and uh, that will probably continue to be there, at least to some extent. You know, it, it, it's taken away some of our freedoms, and, uh, you know, there, there's... It's been agitating our hearts and our minds and our freedom. And sometimes we feel like, you know, like what's happening? It feels like we're being hedged in, you know, by evil that is around us. And so the trauma that's involved with that, plus all the other trauma, you know, when we can't attend, you know, somebody's funeral, when we can't attend somebody's wedding, when we can't go and fellowship with people that we want to fellowship with, you know, all these things, are, you know, are part of the kingdom of darkness, and it's meant to separate us and to discourage us and to bring trauma in our life and to make us, you know, so our heart inside is bleeding, and it's broken because of the fact that those that we want to be with, we can't be with them. Those that want, you know, we want to encourage, or they, we want them to encourage us, we can't be with them. And so the trauma can be there. And Jesus, in his time, he looking for people whose hearts were broken for many different reasons. And he went and he healed their hearts. And I want to tell you, he's the only one that can. He's the only one that can. You know, sometimes we want to help God. You know, we'll go to somebody who's grieving or mourning, someone who's down. You know, the devil is dragged down into the dregs of, of sin and corruption and evil. You know, we want, to, we want to change their life. You know, the best thing that we can do sometimes is just go and sit with them. Just go and sit with them. Hold their hand. Give them some hugs or whatever. But, you know, don't try to, sometimes, you know, trying to say, hey, listen, Jesus can help you. Yeah, we know that Jesus can help them, and he can. But sometimes the best thing is just to be there for them and just to be there with them. Hallelujah. People need hugs. Even though we haven't been able to do that, you know, for the last number of months, you know, but we, uh, I'm glad it's going to open up, and, and let's be a hugging church, okay? Let's be a hugging church. And, and a greeting church. I think that is so important. That's part of the ministry of binding up the brokenhearted. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Sometimes we feel pity and sorrow for those that are mourning because it could be of a death or it could be for some other reason. But Jesus is saying, hey, blessed, happy, are those that mourn. Why? Because they're going to be comforted. They will be comforted. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless. He is saying that to everybody, even today. I will not leave you comfortless. You know, if nobody else comes to you to comfort you, I'm here. I'm here to comfort you. 
Hallelujah. And I will send my comforter to you, the Holy Spirit, and he will minister to you as well. He will minister that kind of life to you. To you. Hallelujah. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Third thing we find in Luke chapter 4, preach deliverance to the captives. I'm going to connect these two here. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised. Proclaim, preach liberty, liberty to those uh, I was going yeah, to those to those that are captives, and liberty to those that are bruised. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus, is that He wants you to walk in liberty, walk in liberty at least inside, walk in liberty on the inside. Even if we are uh, stymied, is that the word I'm looking for? You know, if we are, are, are if we can't do what we want to do. You know, physically, but inside we can experience the liberty, you know, that Jesus gives to us. And the Bible says, whom the Son sets free, he is free indeed. Hallelujah. There's a work that goes on inside of us that's so amazing that Jesus can do for us, and we thank him for that. Hallelujah. And he brings us into that liberty that even though we are, you know, like Paul and Silas in the prison, and our hands and feet are in stocks, and yet they sang praises to God. Why? Because they knew that inside they had the liberty, you know, that comes from Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you're bruised, if you're damaged, or whatever happens in our life, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you from this day onward, you know, don't bring condemnation on somebody who is going through this or who is experiencing grief and mourning or bruising or whatever. You know, don't bring any kind of condemnation upon them, but rather pray for them, rather hug them, rather, you know, be there for them. Encourage them in God. Hallelujah. That's part of the heart of Jesus is to bring that kind of liberty into our hearts and into our lives. Hallelujah. Preach, proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those that are bound. I used this illustration some years ago and I think some of you might remember. But it was about this zoo in Germany in Hamburg, and uh, they had a lot of the animals in cages, and there was a bear that they had in a cage, and uh, the cage was only 8 feet by 12 feet by 8 feet by 12 feet, and this uh, bear that was captured and put into this cage, of course it wanted liberty. It wanted to be free. It was born free and wanted to stay that way, but it had been captured and put inside this cage. And so he would walk along the edge of the cage, eight feet this way, 12 feet that way, eight feet this way, 12 feet that way, and he would keep on doing that all day long. Day after day, month after month, year after year, and after a length of time, there was a big path that was worn, you know, just inside of this cage, eight feet by 12 by eight by 12. And one day they came up with this idea that they would set, you know, the animals into a bigger place. And so they said, well, let's take that cage off of that bear. And so they lifted that cage off of that bear, and it released that bear, you know, to be free, at least freer than what he was inside of that cage. But instead of walking free, that bear kept on walking eight feet this way, 12 feet that way, eight feet this way, 12 feet back that way. It didn't know that it was free. 
And I want to say this morning, Jesus is saying, I proclaim, I preach liberty, I proclaim that you are free. He says, I want you to know and understand that I have freed you from all your sin. All you have to do is just come to me, and I've freed you. You don't have to walk, you know, in that little cage of uh, uh, confined by your sin. You know, the thing that defined you, the thing that named you, the thing that, you know, condemned you. You don't have to walk in that. You are free. Hallelujah. Jesus has set us free. He has set us free. And so we need to make that kind of a proclamation. And uh, we are living in verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, Jesus, when he was quoting from Isaiah 61, he said, listen, he says, it's the acceptable year of the Lord. He said, there's, there's not a one person. If any man come unto me, I will not turn him away, he said. If anyone comes, I will receive them. If anyone comes, I will change them. If anybody comes, it doesn't matter skin color, it doesn't matter nationality, it doesn't matter what language. He says, if anyone come, comes to me, he says, I will gladly receive them. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. He was emphasizing the fact that this is acceptable year of the Lord. The Father God in heaven accepts you because of what Jesus was going to do on the cross. We are accepted because of that. Hallelujah. Do you feel accepted this morning? I hope you do. Amen. We are children of God. We are privileged. Hallelujah. He has highly exalted us so that we sit together with Christ in heavenly places. Hallelujah. And once we understand what he has done for us, you know, we are free because this is the acceptable year of the Lord. And everybody needs to hear that no matter where they are. They need to hear that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. And when we talk about year, it's not talking about 365 days. He's talking about a period of time. And it's been from the cross, you know, till now. And it's going to continue on. What Jesus has done for us, that's the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. We are free. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 and talks about uh, except they accept the time. It says, For I have heard you in a time accepted, and in a day of salvation have I helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. And I want to talk to everybody, not just here, but those who might be watching and listening by, you know, YouTube or Facebook or wherever this might go, go through. But it is the accepted day of the Lord. You know, he, if you come to him... <laughs> You are accepted today. You don't have to wait until the end of the week or next week or next year. You are accepted today. Hallelujah. The very moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's the moment we are accepted by him. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. Behold, uh, uh, now is the accepted uh, uh, day, and now is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. We have been saved because Jesus came to us in that day. Hallelujah. Uh, now I want to flick back to Isaiah 61 just to, uh, for a moment and just talk about some of the things that happens when uh, Jesus does his ministry. And I'm just going to run through these very, very quickly and uh, you'll have to spend some time on that yourself. Okay, so the results of Jesus' ministry. Verse... Um, Three, to appoint unto those that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, 
Let that sink in. To those that mourn, he gives you beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Hallelujah. This is how he changes us. This is what he calls us. We are his planting. We are part of his vineyard. And, and we have received, uh, you know, beauty for ashes. We've received the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know, whatever is affecting our hearts today, whether it's heaviness or mourning or whatever it might be, Jesus wants to change that today. And we're going to open the altar pretty quick here. And if you need some help this morning, you know, in any of these areas, you know, just help to get through to Jesus and let him minister to you. You know, we want to give you that kind of an opportunity, you know, to do that. And he wants to make such a difference in our life. We are called trees of righteousness. Every one of us are called trees of righteousness. Jesus ministered on the earth for three and a half years. Only three and a half years. And then he said, listen, guys, <laughs> and it was talking to his disciples. He says, I'm going away, and I want you to pick up the baton of what I've done. I want you to do the same thing I've been doing because you've got the same anointing, you've got the same spirit, you've got the same word. He says, I want you to pick up the baton, and I want you to do what I've been doing. And that has never changed, never changed. You and I need to pick up that baton and do all the things that are part of the heart of God, the heart, that are part of the heart of Jesus. Pick it up and say, I determined today, you know, to do what God wants me to do. And I will pick up that baton and I will be obedient and I will be faithful. Let's stand together. Amen, Father. Hmm. What a privilege to call you Father. As big and awesome as you are, and we're just like dust in comparison. But you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten Son to this world. And Jesus, you came and you found out what you were supposed to be doing and you did it. You did it. You did it in dying on the cross, but you did it also on the streets. You did it beside the Sea of Galilee. You did it in homes. You ministered to people. You cast out evil spirits. You healed those that were sick and afflicted. You did all of these things because that was part of the heart of your Father and our Father. And we thank you for that. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our heart, that we would realize that the baton has been passed on to us and that we need to be faithful in doing what you want us to do. And Lord, I thank you that if we are obedient, even though we may be shaking in our boots, if we know what we've been anointed for, then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon us. The Spirit of the Lord 
will come upon us and he will help us. Hallelujah. And I just released that spirit this morning over the entire congregation. And those who are watching and listening, may the spirit of God come upon you and do what he wants to do. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for ministering this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you for ministering this morning. You have taken the things of the Father and you have taken the things of Jesus and you make them real to us. They become part of our life. And I thank you for that. Those that are mourning, God, give them the oil of joy instead of mourning. Those that are grieving, Father God, help them through their, their time. And I know that you've got something good for them, Father. Minister, we pray in the name of Jesus. Minister through us to one another because we need to pick that up and we need to do it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father. Thanks for loving us, God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving grace. Because we couldn't do anything by ourselves. You've given us grace. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will come upon us and you will do an inner work in us that is astounding, amazing, and beautiful. And we just want to give ourselves to you and allow you to do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Bless this congregation, Father. Watch over them. There's a shepherd over his sheep. There's a father over his household. Watch over them and care for them, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Even if you're watching through on television or whatever, if you're here this morning and you've never, ever come to Christ, he wants to do all this ministry in your heart and in your life. He's been anointed to do it. He can change you. He can change me. And I would encourage you. He has called out, you know, come on to me, and I will help you. I will accept you. And that's all we have to do. You know, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I would encourage you to do that. Hallelujah. So the prayer team, if you want to come and if you want ministry this morning, we want to do that. And I just want to re release the rest of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know I'm a little bit over time, but the Lord bless you and keep you and watch over you. May the face of God shine upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.